You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hey, step parents, Maria Nadipov here, step parenting coach and strategist. I am so excited to introduce you Dr. Dara Bushman, with whom we had the pleasure of having a conversation this week talking all about eating disorders and disordered eating. Recently, I did an interview with my stepdaughter, who is incredible, where she delved into her trauma story of abuse and neglect and trauma recovery, and we touched on her issues with eating, and those episodes can be found at synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash 33 and synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash 34, and I'm never quite sure whether to say eating disorders or disordered eating, which is one of the many things that I'm hoping Dr. Bushman would clarify for us today, in addition to getting some really good tips around how to identify as well as help ourselves and our children around disordered eating and how to have conversations around it and how to navigate that very complex world because as we know, food is all around us. It is such an enormous part of our culture and our everyday. So I can't wait to delve into this conversation. Please stay tuned. Without further ado, I introduce you Dr. Dara Bushman. Just to give you a little bit of background about Dr. Dara Bushman, She's a licensed psychologist who specializes in rapid transformation, helping people move from crappy to happy, from ordinary to extraordinary, from surviving to thriving. She's an author and featured psychologist in the media and a mom of two energetic school kids and two dogs. Her clinical background includes working with individuals, couples, families, and even groups to dissolve trauma triggers and eliminate recurring traumatic experiences licensed in the states of North Carolina and Florida. She was a lead therapist for 10 years at Milestones in Recovery, a comprehensive eating disorder treatment center where she introduced a comprehensive approach to healing that involved mind-body healing. She has cracked the code to the language of disordered eating and the secret to eating disorders through the language of food and ease. Early in the pandemic, she saw a picture of a healthcare worker hugging an elderly patient in isolation and immediately felt a calling and recently began working in assisted living facilities in the Asheville area. She also worked with aspiring professional athletes as well as Olympians to break mental blocks and achieve peak performance, getting them out of their heads and onto the winner's platform. I can't wait for you guys to get all the goodness of this incredible conversation. Here we go. Hi. So we're here with Dara Bushman. Dara, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to you about this incredibly important topic. I know that you're an eating disorder specialist, so it's awesome to be able to delve into this conversation. Recently, I've done uh, an interview with my stepdaughter who has struggled with, you know, I'm always a little confused as to eating disorders versus disordered eating. So hopefully you can clarify that. But before we delve in, can you tell us a little about what brought you to the work that you do? I've been a psychologist for a long time. And my experience started when I was in, I would say, middle school, where I saw a sports psychologist. And right away, I felt drawn towards that. And then through time, I took such an interest and pursued it. I had my own eating disorder. So that definitely also created an interest of healing to make sure that nobody else experiences things in the same capacity that I did throughout my life. So that's definitely a personal drive that I feel as part of a mission Mm -hmm. when I do get to meet with people and that are having similar experiences. 
I can see how that would be a huge influencing factor. So could you clear up for us the difference between disordered eating versus eating disorders? And I know it might be possibly a kind of a fine line, but... If you'd speak well, I can tell you in Daraism, this mm-hmm. is just the way that I, the way that I see it is, you know, my experience with it is that a disordered eating is something that might be due to a lack of education. And oftentimes if someone gets, you know, some information about it, then that can make an adjustment for them. Like, for example, if someone says that they're trying to lose weight and they're not eating all day and then that they find they're really hungry at the end of the day and they're like the Tasmanian devil. And then the next thing, you know, you know, like spinning around at the refrigerator and then they're given that information about how their metabolism works and how it can be beneficial emotionally and physically to eat more periodically. And they start eating breakfast and they're on with their life and they're not having that experience anymore. Where when it starts to, it's a gray area, but when it starts to lean in more of eating disordered, it's not necessarily just about education. It's also about the consumption around food or the thoughts of food begin to have in one's life. And that's where it can often teeter. Like sometimes people will say, is it the amount of behavior years. I mean, clinically and diagnostically, there are specifics and specifiers, but I feel like for most people just in in talking and understanding it, it really is about how consuming it is in your lifestyle in a matter of whether amount of education can adjust that because oftentimes with eating disorders, people can school you about it. (laughs) They have so much information to an abundancy that it's consuming. Mm -hmm. So that's where there's a big differentiation. Would you say then that it more has to do with how invasive the thoughts and the behaviors around eating are almost to a degree measuring preoccupation where it becomes invasive in the way that people go about their day to day in their lives? I definitely think that's a possibility. The other part of it is though it's about perspective and about bio-individuality, the way that it works for one person is so different for another. So you and I can have thoughts around an Oreo and you might have them and you're like, yeah, fine. I eat an Oreo, I eat one, I'm done with it. Where for somebody else, like what you are saying around the amount of the preoccupation, but who's to measure that? Because in some capacity, right, you tell somebody to work hard at something and someone's level of hard work is completely different than another. So I do think it's a matter of relativity and perspective in regards to that. They talk about in different addictions and stuff, they talk about like somebody's bottom. And so it can look so much different. It might be problematic for me if I can't focus on my work, but then the thing is I have a job. And so for someone else, they can't, you know, even get themselves into a space of work because they're so preoccupied. So I think that that's an important like idea to see. And that's what happens even when people are defining eating disorders, disordered eating, do I have, and the different types of disorders, because there's such an overlap. And I think sometimes we get too caught up in it diagnostically that we start becoming the disorder opposed to the perspective of how we can adjust it and make modifications. That's such a fantastic point to make. And I'm so glad that you outlined the discrepancy around the relativity of the experience and how people define things and that that looks very different for each one of us. What are the signs that parents or step parents or caregivers can look for if they're noticing or think that maybe their child or stepchild or a loved one might be struggling or that they're concerned things are moving in a direction where it seems concerning? 
I think it can be tricky with kids. I have an eight and a half year old daughter and I have a six and a half year old son. But just this morning, we noticed that a breakfast that she would normally like to eat, she didn't have as much interest in it. So to say, if you see changes in their eating patterns is complicated because there's always changing in eating patterns in children in different ages. So I think it's just observing it from above and not being too far in it. And one of the things that you're noticing with them is also noticing how you are with it. If you're spending a lot of energy around their food, all of a sudden, that is a good indicator that something's not going so great. And I always joke, okay, that's $5 I'm going to put into my children's therapy bucket. But I noticed that my husband was having a lot of attention around what she wasn't eating. And on the other hand, if we're just going to focus on what she's not eating, then all of a sudden she's getting a lot of attention around it. And then it becomes a bigger thing. And I can even speak to my own experiences with food. There's a physical and there's an emotional component with food. There's an emotional component of the way that we get attention and the way that we feel how other people are perceiving us around food. And then there's the physical part of how it chemically affects us. So often people will hear me say, I had a Jewish grandma and it was like, Dara, do you want another cookie? And so when you're a little girl and people are feeding you cookies, then number one, you're like, oh my gosh, this cookie is like a warm, you know, hug because of the way that it chemically affects us. And then also I constantly got attention. And when they were feeding me, we were all in together. So our little minds create these blueprints around food that often stick. So when you're asking about what are the warning signs, I think it's just taking it in and assessing it cautiously, being cautiously optimistic, if you will, where you're taking it in, but you're not overdoing it either. So just looking at an overall pattern is going to be more productive for parents to assess than zoom, zooming right in because a lot of times it can fix itself too. And I'm just going to be really frank with you. A lot of times the challenges that kids are having with food are representation modeling of the parents and of what's going on. If I had a dollar every time parents called me with concern around their kids or their adolescents with eating disorders, the apple is not falling far from the tree. And mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily the kids, it's their perception of how their parents are seeing them or viewing it. And that's where we can adjust that a lot. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is that maybe it's about tuning in for the caregiver themselves, both with regard to how are they perceiving things and how are they feeling about things and being really mindful of that behavior and then sure. their actions around it, as well as giving themselves an opportunity to tune into their child. Like you said, is it just a normal shift of development? They're just in a different stage or their preferences have changed, or is there something kind of bigger overarching that's going on. So maybe a better question is how could people for themselves recognize their own frame of mind or what things they can look for as they're observing their own both mindset and habits to notice if there might be something more to explore there with an expert like yourself. With the kids or with themselves as parents? I think with themselves. And I think both for adults and for kids, because maybe there's vast differences, but to yeah. me, getting mindful is just a practice that I would assume probably is very similar throughout our lives. So a better rule of thumb for ourselves. How do we notice if there's a bigger issue going on than just, oh, I'm just not really hungry or maybe, oh, I'm just really, really hungry or, you know, preference changes. Well, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? So I, I think you just have to ask yourself, like, what is my relationship with food? And how does that show up for me? Because if you're a parent, you're being very weight conscious, and then you're noticing that your child is being finicky or picky or sneaking food. Well, you have to really see that. On the other hand, it would be like, well, what do you want that to look like for yourself? So it's not just do what I say and not as I do. There's a consistent part around that. So sometimes the modeling of it can be much stronger than the verbalization of it. So if you are seeing that 
kids are not eating in a certain way and you're like, oh, okay, but you have to check. Am I being picky? Do I only eat breakfast before or after 12 o'clock? And how do I expect my kids to eat breakfast if I'm just standing there looking at them? It's more like, yeah, we're all going to do it together. And so it's not, you know, what's, what is it? What's good for the goose is not good for the gander or something like that. Like it is a big part. So if you want your children to be active, it's not like, well, you're not getting out and riding your bike. It's like, so then like, maybe it is because you just walk around a mall and that's the best you can get for them. But at least then you're having that interaction and food is to fuel your body. Let's really check in what the purpose of our, of food is. And let's really also be honest, what our perceptions are about our own selves and our own body shapes and how we're talking. I often cringe because I'll be around other women and there's my daughter and she's eight years old. And I know that I can't protect her. I think a lot about kids in essence, it's not our job to protect them from what happens. It's our job to help them navigate through situations. So what does that look like? So I can't say, well, we're not going to talk about body size and they're not going to know fat and skinny. And because the reality is people are going to say stuff, but we can choose to use words in different ways so that they have positive connotations. My son said, mommy, the other kids called me skinny. We haven't really used that word in our house. What's the difference between it's just not necessary, but the reality is that's how kids see a world. But Mm -hmm. isn't that the beautiful part in a sense that kids do see a world that's so beautiful and colorless and sizeless. It's only us that teaches them those limits and restrictions around size and and food and stuff like that. So this was such a gem packed conversation full of nuggets that I'm taking away. And I know you are too. So to recap, we clarify the difference between eating disorders and disordered eating. We discussed how key perspective is in evaluating whether something we're noticing is truly problematic or whether it's just a natural developmental change that may be temporary in nature. And we identified how to notice our own mindset around food and body shape because as we've discussed on the show before, kids are noticing everything you do and are deeply influenced by your behavior. Please check out the show notes for links to Dr. Dara Bushman's website and a wonderful planner and journal that she has just released called Shift. We can't wait to share the rest of our conversation with Dr. Dara Bushman next week. So be sure to tune in then. Until next time, be well. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. Don't know how? Don't worry. We'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.